Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, Sharon, I'm excited this morning. I am, too. We're in the Windy City. I know. What are we doing here? Ah, this is the 2022 Annual Congress, the first one that we've had in person. I know. It's crazy to see everyone in person and, you know, be able to shake hands again. Yes. Some people are fist bumping and, you know, elbow bumping, and some people are giving hugs and kisses, you know. It's kind of all over the board. I've been puckered up since (laughs) yesterday because I'm so happy to see everybody. Uh, And remember the last time we were here, we taped 17 hours. Yeah, we're a little worn out after that. (laughs) Just a little bit. And now we're three years older, so. That's right. We're not taping. 200 episodes, too. Yeah, we're not taping We learned a little bit along the way. Oh, yeah. Don't take that many <laughs> time. Oh, uh, Lord. Well, Sharon, I'm excited about our first podcast person for 2022 at the ANA Annual Congress. I'm excited about this one. This is an important topic. Absolutely. And I have a feeling we're going to have many more topics with him in the future. Yeah. You know, we're talking. And by the way, he is Mr. Thomas Davis. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Yeah. Fun to be here. Yeah. We're glad you're here with us. Um, And we're going to let you introduce yourself in just a minute. But, you know, Tom and I were talking about some... Some interesting concepts when he when he first came in about you know communication and communication mm-hmm. styles and how you know now uh, different generations and even some of the same generations you can say something to one person uh, and they're picking it up completely differently and, uh, and that oh would be goodness. a great topic to talk about sometime. Yeah, it was a good uh, discussion and it's interesting some of the people who study cognitive behavior and neurobehavioral sciences are seeing that the people who were born into a computer world, their brains process information differently than those of us who were born before computers. And so... This sounds um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point I had heard a a lecture by a guy who did his PhD on that type of work. And 
The problem was that uh, most of the instructors at medical schools were born before computers and the students were born after. And so the students were processing information differently in their brains compared to how the instructors were presenting it. And so he was doing his work then to reconcile that and revise curriculums uh, so that that the students would better receive what uh, people were. Oh, my were. goodness, Will. Yeah, so there's a whole field of study out there. We will sign you up for that one. I'm scratch, sure our listeners yeah, would love it. scratching the surface. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. Might be helpful for us because well, we, we, have, saying, yeah. we have listeners who are young students, and mm-hmm. then we have a lot of listeners who are of a seasoned generation. <laughs> and, you know, we have a lot of multi-generational uh, workplaces. Yes. And uh, the people who are now the baby boomers and the, the prior chief CRNAs, they don't want to quit yet. Right. But they want to step down from that leadership position. Right. And so it is not unusual to have a millennial supervising a baby boomer. Right. Yes. And right. so, you know, there's a lot of generational yeah. things to consider. Well, this sounds absolutely interesting. But before we digress any <laughs> further, which we have a tendency we to do, do so, do. squirrel, as my kids <laughs> call it. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom? Well, uh, I'm a CRNA, Air Force trained decades ago. I've been a CRNA for 42 years and um, wouldn't trade my career for anything. As an Air Force officer, I had a, an interest in uh, watching leaders and what made the good leaders good and the bad leaders bad. And it kind of evolved then uh, after I left the military. I was the chief CRNA at two large uh, institutions, Baylor Scott and White in Temple, Texas, and then the Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. And um, really got to use some of those leadership skills. Uh, I still have, I consider myself to be a student of leadership. I still do a lot of reading and coaching along that line. But at one point, I had a group of students uh, ask me from the hiring manager's perspective, tell us about getting a job. What what do people look for? What are some of the tips? And and I, I did that. And then there was a second student group, and it kind of evolved. And now, uh, here this year at the ANA meeting, I just gave the talk on how to get the right job, uh, not just looking at a job, but how to get the preferred uh, workplace experience. <coughs> and uh, I think that's what we're talking about today. It is. It is. And, and getting the right job, I think, is the key. It so is. many times, and, and maybe not in today's environment, because especially for CRNAs, mm-hmm. I mean, you can get a job anywhere and leave and go get another job and probably make more money. Um, but it's the right job that's right for you. It's not necessarily about mm-hmm. money all the time either. So, well, I, I think this is going to be interesting. How do you find the right job, Tom? It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of effort. And um, you have to do your research and you're saying how do you find the right job um, a lot of it word of mouth you know the great places to work but i think you have to in your own mind you have to know what you're looking for and that's where it all starts and we ask uh you know what do you want and people will review things in their mind but then you have to take that next step and write it down take a pencil and paper write down what are all the essentials for that job and one of the things that hopefully would be on the list in, in addition to location and type of practice and things like that, uh, you want that preferred workplace. And um, when you look at, well, what is a preferred workplace, the business literature 
has written quite a bit about, uh, you know, what is a preferred workplace. And I've done work with groups of sRNAs, and I've talked with groups of CRNAs, groups of chief CRNAs, and asked them, you know, what are the components of a preferred workplace? And it's interesting, what we describe in healthcare is exactly what they describe in the business community. Um, you want supportive leadership, you want a collaborative environment. And one of the things that's really towards the top of the list is professional development. Uh, people want professional development. Um, the experts on uh, assessing workplace engagement are the Gallup Corporation. They do the, the Gallup survey. And when you look through um, the items on the Gallup survey, which, by the way, uh, 20 years ago, the Gallup survey was like 100 questions. They've got 12 questions now. Oh, yeah. They've they could never get people to go no. through 100 questions. <laughs> but, but now it's down to 12 questions. And, and based on those 12 questions, they can assess the workplace and the level of engagement. But when you look at those 12 questions and what they're looking for, uh, six of the 12 have to do with professional development and mentoring and uh, making people better at at who they are and what they are. So now how did Gallup get involved in all of this? There's a piece that I'm missing here. Uh, They were uh, into staff engagement uh, over 30 years ago. They're they're the old kids on the block that have refined this. They're not new to that. Um, We think back of the Gallup polls and presidential Mm -hmm. elections and all that. But they've been involved in um, assessing workplaces through surveys uh, for decades. So is and there, where could we look at this 12 questions? It'd be interesting. I'd like to see these 12 questions. Oh, I'll send them to you. I'll you pull send them us up. A, but if you'll send us a link, we'll put it in our show notes. Sure. But, um, but it's the Gallup Q12, they call it now, 12 questions. Okay. And um, it has to do with, do you have the resources you need? Do people believe in you at work? Does your oh, snap. Uh, does your uh, <laughs> this supervisor, is the AANA stuff too? Right. Yeah. Does does your supervisor uh, participate in professional development? And one of the questions, this is an interesting one. One of the twelve questions is, do you have a best friend at work? Hmm. And um, and people say, well, no, my best friend is not at work. I have friends at work. And they say, no, that's not what we're asking. We're not asking, is your best friend at work? But do you have that one person at work that you just can't wait to talk to in the morning? Ooh. And if you had huh. a, a great weekend, you share it. Or if the day really was terrible, you've got somebody you, you can talk to safely. Isn't that interesting? That's, but it makes sense. That's one of it does the... Make my, pla- yeah. my best friend at work is Jeremy. So it works yeah. out really good for us. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It does. Uh, the Gallup people relate that question more closely to longevity than anything. I people bet staying so. in the job. Yeah. Huh. And so. it's not just female oriented, is no, it? Okay, just, because, you know, men usually don't care who they work with. Women do. They'll yeah. stay at a job that's a crappy job because they like who they work with, yeah. even if their leader sucks. Yeah. But the, men the, don't do that. The, the men, uh, they probably talk about different things. Maybe they're talking about the ball game yesterday or something. Yeah. But um, and, and the men who have a best friend at work tend to do activities outside of work. They'll play golf or right. uh, go for mm-hmm. a bike ride or, you know, something like that. Yeah. But again, that's, that's part of the preferred workplace is finding that environment where you have, um, you feel supported, you feel like somebody has an interest in making you better. 
Um, and then another component of that, then this overlaps into the whole area of emotional intelligence, but having people who can give you feedback in a way that makes you feel better. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you always That's hate it. You know, when your boss says, "Well, you really sucked at that." Yeah. Um, that <laughs> or your best friend that you're working with right. tells yeah, you, you that. that. But because uh, <laughs> then they're not your best friend anymore. That's <laughs> if right. they say it in a bad <laughs> way, right. right? You got There's an opening in that position. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, That's right. But anyway, these are all things that play into that preferred workplace. How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, So, all right, let's get back. You're looking for the right job. You're telling me that it takes planning, and you want to make a list of the things that you want and the things that you don't want. Sometimes I'm not sure what I want, but I'm sure of what (laughs) I don't want. Well, and if you have the deal breakers, you need to have that list. And uh some things are obvious. Uh, location is obvious. Right. There's mm. places yes. where we would all like to live and uh, places where we wouldn't like to live. And, and the places that I wouldn't like to live are probably perfectly nice places. They're just not right for me. Right. Um, and uh, So we're not going to see you in Kodiak, Alaska or something? Or North Dakota. <laughs> or North Dakota. It's just as cold <laughs> and there. And yet, I, I kid around about that, but when I was in the Air Force, the people that I knew who had been assigned to the Air Force Base mm-hmm. in North Dakota, I never talked to one person who didn't like it. They loved it there. Interesting. It's just that at my point in life, I don't want to shovel that much snow. Right. right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> or in my right case, OB. I would, I'm not a real fan of doing yeah, OB. That was, that's another uh, thing on the list, the type of practice. Mm-hmm. And the type of practice can be the case selection, like mm-hmm. you just mentioned, or it could be uh, some people are uncomfortable without medical direction. Other people wouldn't want Don't play direct. well with others That's and right. are okay with no medical mm-hmm. direction. But, yeah. but either, I can do both. <laughs> yeah. You can. <laughs> either way, it could be a deal breaker. Right. Right. You just have to know yourself. Well, I was just sitting here thinking as you were talking about that and location. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of the reason that CRNA is working more rural areas because anesthesiologists typically want to be in the, you know, by the coast or mm. in a nice metropolitan area and so forth. And they don't want to be out in, you know, the rural part of the country. And that's why CRNAs fulfill most of those duties at those right. institutions. And the ones I talk to in the rural areas, they love it. Yeah. They're they're mm-hmm. not just they're not just another body in the big city. They're right. in a rural community. The CRNA is a very important person. Yes, and they uh, become active like on school boards and uh, different things like that. So yeah, yeah. You want to dip your toe into emotional intelligence just uh, a, a little bit on on either side of that equation. Sure. It can be employer employee. Let's talk a little it, bit about that. It's getting to be important both ways. Yes. Um, and emotional intelligence really was coming up in the business literature even 15 years ago. And now when you uh, read through the business literature, the whole hiring process is based on emotional intelligence, um, hiring the right people rather than the right skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I didn't know the terminology years ago when I was a hiring manager, but that's really where I went. I, I tried to hire the people with a good work ethic and honesty and integrity. And my philosophy was that, hey, I can always teach you how to uh, put in a spinal. Um, you know, if you have airway problems, we can work on airway problems, but I can't teach you work ethic. 
And mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. what I look for. And now um, that's all a part of the uh, umbrella of emotional intelligence. And uh, it's, it's very, very interesting that some of the larger organizations, when you do your formal online application, uh, part of that is an emotional intelligence assessment quiz that gets fed into the database. Um, And I know um, I do some adjunct teaching work with several universities, and uh, some of these students are just amazing. Angela Mund, our new Mm -hmm. ANA president, I work with her group. Uh, She's just stepped down as a program director. But I had a conversation with Angela. I said, you know, your students are just over the top, (laughs) um, excellent people. How did you find them? And she told me that three or four years ago, uh, she said she kind of went to it reluctantly, and now she's convinced. But um, they went to emotional intelligence assessment as part of their screening for their SRNA students mm. and have implemented that. And, and that's why they got the group that they did. Interesting. And so more and more people are, are doing that. And emotional intelligence really has to do with how well you play in the sandbox. Is it all about you or is it about the team? Um, are you a collaborative person? Mm-hmm. Um, can you give and receive criticism in a positive way? Are you aware of how your words and actions affect other people? Uh, and that, those are all components of emotional intelligence. And we talked about finding that preferred workplace. Well, that's what you want. And obviously, you find that preferred workplace and you say, yes, I want to be a part of that. Well, guess what? They're not that way by accident. They're that right. way because they hired the right people so they're looking at you and saying oh, are you, are you a good fit do mm. you have emotional yeah. intelligence yeah that's good and so I, mean, good. Um, I, I think about the place where i work at a couple of days a week it's a, a hospital facility and i hadn't worked in a hospital in 16 years and you know you recognize immediately that thing that some departments have and I worked uh, many in the late 90s at a place with uh, Linda San Giuliano was our chief at the time and we had the most incredible department anesthesia department there and I've never found that thing in quotations Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. until now and I can't really define it I know y'all have heard me say this before. It's kind of like porn. You can't, you you just know it when you see it. You can't define it. And it's kind of, this department has it. But I do believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. And they've got Mm -hmm. a leader there that is CRNA centric. She is a a zealot for the CRNAs that work for her. And I think that it feeds from there. I just can't. Figure it out. Right. And it, it you hit the nail on the head. It, it comes from leadership. Um, and that's a whole different discussion. Right. Uh, not today's topic. But um, I have done some reading and uh, writing and speaking about values-based leadership. And when you get that chief CRNA uh, who's a values-based leader, then it's easier to build that mm-hmm. team that has the emotional intelligence and go from there. But that's what you're seeking out uh, when, you're, when you're looking at places. And, and again, part of it's reputation, but part of it is what you perceive and the questions that you ask when you're uh, applying and interviewing. Um, you know, everybody thinks that, 
when they're applying for a job, it's all about uh, selling yourself. Um, but really to get the right job, yes, you are trying to sell yourself, but it's also learning about them and honestly assessing, uh, are we a good match? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes the place may be in the ideal location where you've always wanted to live, but you're not a good match there. Yeah. And if you're not a good match, it's going to be a temporary job. You're going to be moving on. As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Tom, I got a question. I mean, you know, we're talking about EI, and maybe some of our listeners have taken one of these EI quizzes out Mm -hmm. there, and they're a little low in certain areas and so forth. Can they work to get their EI up in certain areas? Okay, so how would they do that? Um, There are a lot of online resources, but the uh, improving your EI starts with awareness. It mm. starts with knowing <laughs> what your needs are. If it, it starts with, um, oh, well, maybe my words really aren't perceived the way that I mean them. Maybe mm. people feel pretty bad when I get done talking to them. How can I rephrase things? How can I approach this differently? Um, and so, yeah, you can improve your emotional intelligence uh, scores very quickly. And, and one way to do that, I think, is through listening, and so many people are not good listeners. You know, they they listen for the gist of what you're saying. Um, and here's another trap that people fall in: the whole time you're talking, they're thinking of their rebuttal. Right? How are they going to come back? How are they going to uh, counter whatever you just said? And so they really don't hear what you're saying. And if you want to improve your emotional intelligence, you've got to move beyond that. And when somebody's talking to you, listen to what they're saying and maybe try to feel, well, what's the emotion that's driving what they're saying instead mm. of spending your time lining up your rebuttal mm. um, and, and ask follow-on questions. Um, show a little bit of empathy. Well, that must have really uh, made you feel uneasy when that happened. You know, things like that. That's how you improve your emotional intelligence uh, hmm. capacity. And, you know, I've read people could have different emotional intelligence with one group of folks and then another group of right. individuals mm-hmm. could be completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, That's like correct. work and, and home life, right. you know, could be completely different. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I read a lot about this years ago, and it was interesting to me how people could do that differently in, in different environments. Yeah. Well, that um, makes absolute sense. I yeah. mean, you know, my husband gets along with anybody, 
anywhere and he comes home and he's an asshole sometimes and i'm like <laughs> you're not like this at work i know you're not like this at work why are you like this when you walk in through that door yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> i mean it's a, well that's I getting mean, into a whole nother topic yeah here. that is a whole <laughs> other topic <laughs> all right well let's move on from that one tom before we go down a rabbit hole here um but but let's talk about because i know a lot of a lot of people get in trouble with social media and nowadays, especially yeah. when an employer is looking to hire someone, that's one of the first things they check. It, it's pretty interesting because, you know, in our business, you know, we work with a lot of CRNAs. And as we all know, CRNAs' personalities can be vastly different. Um, and we try to do a really good job on the front end when we're talking to a potential mm-hmm. client for our office. Um, and literally one of the things we do is we try to find them on social media. Really? Yes. Because what I found, I mean, you know, the CRNA community is a small community. Sure. And it, it only takes one or two bad apples to spoil the business for us. And so we try to do a really good job on that front end mm-hmm. by trying to get to understand this person in the amount of time that we can spend with them. And um, I, I know employers I do that as well. I knew that. Yeah, yeah that, that well, happens. It's important. On, it happens on two levels. Um, the people that you meet up front, for example, the chief CRNA that you're going to interview with, quite likely will Google you and just yes. see what comes up. So you should always Google yourself and see what comes up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you Google somebody, you see what's on the surface. And what's happening now is the chief CRNA will give you an interview. They say, hey, I really want to hire this person. And then you get a letter from HR saying, we're going to offer you a contract. And it's all contingent on your background check. And then they really dig deep. So things that the chief CRNA may not have found when you were initially Googled, there are companies out there that specialize in uh, social media background checks, and they can backdoor just about anything. So if you think that only your friends can see the stuff you mm-hmm. post, some of these guys, I mean, they're very good at, at backdooring it. And they know very quickly if you're uh, all of your social media, if you paint yourself as a party boy or a party girl mm-hmm. or it's full of sexist and racist mm-hmm. uh, remarks or um, if you're over the edge spewing venom uh, politically for one side versus the other, that's all going to come up when they do that deep dive into your background check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I advise people And this morning when we had the talk uh, with the group, um, I told them, look at your social media now, cl- clean it up now one thing you can't do is wait until you're ready to apply for a job to be the ideal applicant you have to do that well in advance so you have to be that person they want to hire now even though you may not be applying for another year when you graduate so again the social media is just so important Um, an article that i read just maybe about a month ago they had done a survey of uh business owners in Great Britain, and 25% of them said that they had eliminated applicants based on social media checks. So again, um, the stuff you're putting out there can come back to haunt you. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's there forever. More than one way. It's there forever. You think you can delete it, but it still hangs out there. Well, I know there are people you can hire to clean up your your social media the best thing is just not to put it out there in the beginning well i've got a story to tell whenever i was president there was some 
hubbub because evidently somebody said there was a picture of me in a bikini on my social media. And where do I find that? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And that it was inappropriate for a president of the association to have a picture of herself in a bikini on our social media. Interesting. So I thought, man, I haven't worn a bikini since I was 40. You know, what is this? And I went and I looked and it was my daughter. So then I took it as a compliment because they thought that I was my daughter. (laughs) But back to the point, people were offended that their president would be in a bikini. And along that line, there's things you can't control either. What goes on other people's pages. Right, tagging. Um, And I'm very careful about what I put on social media. I do have social media and I try to keep it all professional. Um, and this was a meeting, an A&A meeting in Chicago. It wasn't a, the national meeting. Mm-hmm. It was something that was at the home office, and I can't right, remember. Right. It was a number of years ago, um, and there was a reception afterwards, and, you know, we all had a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And a couple days later, I got this thing that says, you've been tagged in a photo. So <laughs> somebody else had taken a picture, and there we all were with wine glasses in our hands. And, and I'd been tagged, so my name was with it, but it was on somebody else's mm-hmm. social media. I had yes. no control over that whatsoever. Right. Yeah, Actually, you can keep it off your page. They, they've, you know, done things so right. that you can, you can take care of that. And probably for that exact same reason reason. So let's go back to finding that perfect job. Let's talk about your cover letter that you send whenever you're looking for this job. Tell us some tips about that, Tom. Well, I think uh, there are a lot of mistakes that people make. They put together this nice little generic cover letter. um, And I can't tell you how many times as a chief CRNA, I've received a cover letter that starts out, dear sir or madam, Uh, and then goes from there. And it's a letter that could be sent to any hospital in the world uh, because it's just uh, very generic, nonspecific. And if you're going after that specific job that you really want, you personalize it, right. address it to the person and open it up saying, you know, I'm eager uh, at the opportunity to join the team at XYZ Hospital, name, name the place. Um, and so that personalizes it. But then if you really want to strengthen your cover letter, and and again, we talked about this with the group this morning, um, it's amazing how many people apply for a job and have never read through the job description. I'm a Mm. CRNA. I'm applying for a CRNA job. I know what CRNAs do, so I don't go through that specific job description. Um, And so before you write your cover letter, you should read the job description. That tells you what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. And you can weave some elements of that into your cover letter as you personalize it. The next thing you need to do as you uh, do your research ahead of time, uh, you need to look at the mission, vision, and values of the organization. And again, that's something that the vast majority of the people don't do. If you ask them, uh, where do you work? They'll tell you. You ask them, what's the mission, vision, and value? You get the deer in the headlight stare. and Don't look at me right the, now. The, <laughs> everybody, everybody posts their core values. So yeah. you go uh, look at the hospital where you want to work and um, go to the web page. And usually at the bar across the top, there's something that says about. Click hmm. on about. And usually you will find the mission, vision, and values. Okay, the, the job description tells you 
what they want you to do. The core values tell you how they want you to do it. Mm -hmm. And so when you're writing your cover letter, if you can weave in some elements from the job description uh, that let them know that you are the person that can fulfill the things on their job description and then weave in a few of the things from their core values. Now, that's how you're going to interact with other people and how you're going to do the job. Now you've personalized it. And if you're applying at three different places, you rewrite your cover letter mm -hmm. and personalize it for each of those places. But you don't want to do a generic. Um, and th along that line, another mistake that people make, uh, they're searching for a job. So they start a file on their computer saying job search, and then they put all their documents there and they write a cover letter. And so what's it called when they save it? They called cover letter, cover letter. Uh. or my cover letter. Mm -hmm. Right. And the same with the CV. They call it either CV or my CV. Well, then they attach it to an email and mm -hmm. send it to mm -hmm. me and I download cover letter and CV and put it in my file with you 20 other cover letters. Yeah. yeah. Put your name on it. Oh, yep. so that's a you, good little tip. When you save tip. it to yeah. your computer, uh, put cover letter underscore Davis or Tom Davis cover letter and save it under that name. And then when they download it, your name is attached to it. Oh, that's a really good tip. Mm -hmm. It's really good. So wow. Kind of a duh moment. Duh. I should have thought of that. <laughs> but it's one it of those things sense. that you don't think of. Yeah. And then I, I also I also recommend um, sending things in a PDF format because it's a cleaner download and, yeah. and people aren't going to edit it. And Right. Um, yeah, you never want to send anything in Word, especially yeah. it's important. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. All right, so so we've we're in the interview now, and are obviously there are things that you should do and should not do. Let's let's hit on a few of those. Oh, shoulds and shouldn'ts. Um, well, be prepared ahead of time, um, and that includes knowing where you're going. Uh, you don't want to get lost as you're driving to the hospital, and people will say, "Okay, it's going to take me 20 minutes to drive there." But it may take you another 20 minutes to park yeah. and find your way to where you're going to go. So you want to give plenty of time. Uh, you want to be on time, maybe five minutes early. You don't want to be too early. I remember one interview where a young lady uh, showed up an hour and a half early oh, wow. and sat in a chair outside my door for an hour and a half. And it was awkward for her and it was very awkward for me. Mm. Um, and so, sure, you, you do want to get to the hospital early, but sit in the lobby, review your notes, get ready for the interview don't uh sit don't outside the office my, for that's right <laughs> that's right and you want to be appropriately dressed um one of the things that i recommend there is just so much online right now uh and you prepare yourself so you google things ahead of time like confident body posture mm. um uh dressing for success uh making a great first impression um the ted talk series online these are mm -hmm. really Amazing. powerful 
And there are TED Talks on all of those topics. That's right. And so if, you, if you've got a job interview lined up, uh, take an evening and look at some of these TED Talks on, on how to prepare yourself and how to present yourself when you go to the interview. Um, you don't want to take any loose papers with you. Have a portfolio or a folder of, of some, si- some sort, but you don't want to walk in with a handful of, uh, of loose papers. I advise people before you go in for your interview, once again, review that job description, review the core values so that they're fresh in your mind. And as they ask you questions, you can frame your answers in terms of the work that they want done and the way that they want to have it done. So again, those are some good tips. All good tips. So let's talk about the questions you might be asked and answers that would be good answers. Okay. How about that? You're going to be asked uh, stuff about yourself. Um, And questions now are getting to have more and more of an emotional intelligence component to them in terms of, Mm -hmm. well, how would you handle this situation? Uh, Maybe a colleague criticized you. How would you handle it? So so that's all uh, some of the things that we expect. They're going to hit everybody up with some questions that might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And uh, one of the questions that's very, very commonly asked at a job interview that um, makes people uncomfortable is, tell me your greatest weakness. Oh, yeah. Now, how are you going to answer that? Have you been asked that? Tell me Um, your greatest weakness. Well, I have an interview for a job. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't interviewed for a job in a a long, long time. So so if you just say, well, I don't have any weaknesses, that's... Wow, that tells a lot about a person. How would I I answer that? And I I do have a multitude of weaknesses, but I'm on a constant journey um, to find solutions to those. I'm a lifetime learner. And if you identify something that needs some work, I hope that I'm the first person that you share that. Yeah, and that's, that's a great answer. Dang! Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, one way that you can answer that and kind of hit a home run, if you know the job description, if you know the patient population mm-hmm. that they serve at that hospital and the types of cases they do, um, you can pick something out. So, for example... You're going to be going to a place and you know they do a lot of orthopedics and uh, a lot of them are done under spinal. Uh, What's your greatest weakness? Well, you know, um, as a SRNA, we did orthopedics and and we learned spinals, but I never felt like I got enough of them. And I see that you guys are at the top of the game in orthopedics and I'm really confident that if I join your team, you guys can bring me up to speed in no time at all and I can be an Mm all-star. So now Mm -hmm. what you've done is you've taken something off of their uh, job description. You've admitted that you have a weakness, but that's what draws you to the job. Right. And uh, you plant that expectation. So now you've you've taken your weakness and turned it into an advantage. Mm. Absolutely. Well, let's back up. I have kind of interviewed for a job whenever I went back to work at the hospital. And whenever I was speaking to that chief CRNA, you know, I had never been on Epic. I hadn't even seen these new gas machines before. And so I just led with my weaknesses. Mm. You know, I, I haven't, I haven't worked in a hospital in 16 years. Mm -hmm. And let me be the first to tell you, even though you have a perception of me because I've been 
AANA president. Mm -hmm. That means that I'm good at leadership within an organization, but I am definitely going to need help with EPIC and these types of things. So I just led with my weaknesses. My weakness is I don't know this program. My strength is I'm a fast learner. That's yeah, it. That's right. Yeah, that's that's right. it. We had a, it's funny, you're making me think about this lady we hired. Um, and the first week she was there, she I had someone training her that had worked there for a while. And um, the, the new person says to this lady, she goes, I don't know what idiot did this, but this is the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. Right, right. Guess who did that? You. No. Or the girl no, that was training her. The girl that was her. training her. <laughs> <laughs> and she was livid. I mean, she came and she said, can you believe she said that? And needless to say, we figured out very quickly that she just spewed whatever came to her mind, came out of her mouth. Uh-huh. And there were two other episodes within the first week and with two different employees and they both came to me and said the same thing, so we had to let her go. Because and there was, again, that's the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. component yes. that she did not know how her words affected others, and she probably could have made the same point uh, much oh, yeah. more tactfully, and had she done so, the person would have said, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Let's, let's right. uh, see if we can right. modify it. Yeah. Now, you're talking about questions. I do want to throw one thing out. Um, there is one question that's probably the most important question that you will hmm. be asked in an interview. And in fact, I would say they're remiss if they don't ask it. Huh. And that I- question is, do you have any questions? Ah. Oh, yeah. And that opens the door then uh, for you to learn about them. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to find that preferred workplace, this is your opportunity to ask them questions. And absolutely the worst answer you can give if they say, do you have any questions? You, oh, no, no, you covered it all. I'm happy. Um, you don't want to do that. When they say, do you have a, do you have questions? You say, yes, I do. And you pull them out and they're typewritten on a piece of paper. Mm. And it shows that you've uh, given thought to the job and, and you've come organized and you ask your questions um, and your questions, you really want to learn about the organization, how people interact with one another. Um, so some of the questions could be along the line of, do you have other CRNAs help you run the department? Uh, do you delegate jobs to people? What sort of jobs do you delegate? Um, and that gives you a clue. Is this a micromanager or mm-hmm. is this somebody mm-hmm. who's into professional development? And then what's your role? If you assign me a job, or don't say me, but if you assign a job to a CRNA, then what's your role? Do you micromanage it or do you step back and, and let them go with it? So you got a lot of uh, insight that way. Uh, you can ask... Um, how would others describe your leadership style? Ooh, now, that's you, a good one. If mm-hmm. you say, well, what kind of a leader are you? That's pretty pointed, and, and they get defensive. But yes, if you sure. say, well, how would others describe you? It softens it, and you mm. get a lot, Ooh, of, I like that. A lot of insight. Um, and then um, I can think of other questions, and I don't know where we are time-wise on this uh, podcast, but I will say that when you get all done with your questions, the question to ask last and I think this is one of those home run questions. Um, the last question on your list should be along the line of, okay, let's imagine that you hired me and I'm finishing my first year here and I've exceeded your expectations after my first year on the job. What would that look like? And now the person has to really tell you what their priorities are. What their expectations and what they are. Really, what yeah. their expectations are. 
and you get a, a very um, clear picture. You already know what the job description says, but now you know what your new boss really wants from you. And uh, the thing that happens subconsciously there is that the person cannot ask the question unless first they imagine that they hired you, and second, they imagined that you exceeded their expectations. And what do you want to leave them with after you walk out of the interview? The last thing on their mind mm -hmm. is, oh, I see, myself, I see myself hiring you and you exceeding expectations. That's what you mm. want to leave them with. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's a great question wow. for a lot of reasons. And, and again, I like to do that one last because that's what you want to leave them with. Now, so we're talking about this, you know, nowadays, you know, first interviews and sometimes even second interviews, sometimes people are hired through video. I mean, you know, that's, that's right. become the norm, especially through COVID. Talk a little bit about that because that's a completely different animal. You don't, you don't it have is. that human connection sitting beside of you. You're on a screen. And how do you show well by right. doing there's, that? There's a lot of uh, mistakes that people make with the video interviews. Showing their nose hairs. Showing their nose hairs. <laughs> well, you kid around about that. I know, but they but, do it all the time. But let me ask you this. Where is the camera on your laptop? Most people mm, work off a laptop. It's usually below you. It's below you. And if you have the screen adjusted just right, it'll look right up your nose. Yep. Yeah. And so you have to consider that. And uh, cameras are so inexpensive now that uh, it, it really costs not that much to buy a second camera that you can put at eye level and then you don't have to worry about it uh, looking up your nose and along <laughs> that line actually uh, that's a really good the, idea I put my computer up on a box but yeah. I think I'm going to start using a tripod with so, another camera I have thank yeah. you Tom uh, another another um, consideration is the lighting you want the room yes. to be well lit and so people turn on all the lights in the room behind them and then that puts their face in a shadow mm. so oh and it makes me look like i have no hair because <laughs> my hair's so white yeah yes but th you need that soft light in front of you to light up your face and again it's a very uh, inexpensive item but they make uh, light desktop mm -hmm. lights for video conferencing right and the thing that's yeah. interesting is that they're kind of on a stand and if you buy um, a separate camera, you can mount it right on that. Well, now my yeah. camera actually has the light yeah. made onto it. And you can change it yeah. from daylight to right. LED. But you want the face. And um, a lot of people uh, have their home office in their bedroom. Mm -hmm. So if your Blur home office the is in the bedroom, what's behind you? And I've done interviews with people who had beds that were unmade and, and That's a you sign. Know, dirty clothes on the bedside stand mm -hmm. and you know, so what's behind you? Another mistake that people make with the job interview, well, I, uh, one, they don't take it as seriously. Now, if you have to travel and, and dress up and show up, uh, you know, you're, you're right on your game. Uh, if it's a video interview, oh, it's only an hour in the afternoon and you, you, you don't take it quite as seriously. You need to spend the day preparing just as if you were going in person. So preparation doesn't change. Uh, your attire doesn't change. You still want to dress for the interview, even though um, you're interviewing at home. But one thing uh, that trips people up, they don't uh, practice on the technology. Mm -hmm. There's so many different platforms. You can do Zoom, GoToMeeting, WebEx, and any one of a number of them. And they'll tell you ahead of time, 
uh, which platform they're using and you need to connect ahead of time. You don't want to uh, learn at 155 that you can't connect to the platform for your two o'clock interview. So you want to go online ahead of time and if you can get a friend to connect with you and do a practice uh, five or ten minute uh, hookup and ask your friend, okay, what's visible behind me? How does my face look? Um, you know, how's the lighting? How's, how's the connection? How's the audio? Uh, practice ahead of time so that you know you can connect to that platform. Um, those were, are, are all things that will good, help you. Good, thanks. Oh, good whenever, whenever we're doing uh, podcast taping and we're doing them over Zoom, I will see people log in. Um, mm-hmm. a couple hours before who are testing the the platform yeah. and I'll get a ding saying Tom Davis has logged mm-hmm. into your 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 Zoom room or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I will have a lot of people do that. Now uh Jeremy knows this, but now everybody's gonna know it. Whenever we do late night podcast tapings, um I have my pajamas on but I always have I have a special blazer that will fit over so i'll have my pajamas on and that blazer stays right there while we're taping and all i gotta do is take it off and get in the bed afterwards but just so you have the look you know there's uh stuff written in the business literature of uh corporate zoom meetings where you got you have a coat and tie and then cut off some flip-flops below the table And again, when you're doing a job interview, you don't want to do that. You want to yeah, no. you want to dress the part, and, and you got to feel it because you'll right, feel different. You know, I, I've tried to do that, like, you know, especially during COVID, we were working at mm-hmm. home some, and I tried that. When I remember distinctly, I had a review with a client, and we're videoing, and I didn't put my shoes on. I had my suit on, but and I didn't put my shoes funny. on. I felt so out of whack. Yeah. It was I such a different, that. you know, yeah. I mean, so you're exactly right. Well, well, Tom, as we kind of wrap up here, anything you want to conclude on or anything you want to tell our listeners that maybe you hadn't got across so far? Well, um, I think we've hit a lot of topics today. Don't underestimate the emotional intelligence component. Um, that's the workplace that you want. And in order to get it, that's who you have to be. So uh, go online, take some of those self-evaluations, see where you stand, and, and maybe uh, do some Googling uh, how to improve your emotional intelligence. And, and certainly don't underestimate preparing for a job interview. Uh, and again, there's so much online. Um, base what you do on the mission, vision, values, and the job description. And, and that will uh, set you aside from a lot of the other candidates who say, well, I'm a CRNA. It's a CRNA job. What else do I need to know? So um, that'll position you well. And Tom, if people need help with some of this stuff, are you available to, I am to available. do that? Okay. I have a website uh, where I, I write a lot of um, uh, leadership type things and, and, Certainly emotional intelligence, values-based leadership, things like that, or things that I've written about. It's prosynex, P-R-O-S-Y-N-E-X.com. And if you go on there, I think I've got over 100 blog articles now that have accumulated over the years. And um, that would be a good resource. And certainly you can email me. Um, and I've got two email addresses. They're both Tom at, and one is at the prosynex.com. And then the other one, this is going to be a really tough one for CRNAs to remember, but I am Tom at prosyrna.com. So hopefully <laughs> between the two, uh, if you have questions, you can certainly email. 
Wonderful. Well, Tom, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for all you've done for the CRNA community and your career. And thank you for your service to our country and the Air Force. We appreciate that as well. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Sharon? I think it's a wrap. I think so. Well, if uh, people like our show, Sharon, and they want to help us grow, how can they do that? Well, the best way to help us to grow is to leave us a review, but make it positive. We all know there's enough negativity in this world. Absolutely. Tell all your friends. uh, Post us on social media. That's right. Because we're in the top 50 medical medical podcasts in the country on our way to number number one we're already number one in the crna community and uh, one day maybe we'll be number one in the the whole medical community we're working on it and with our listeners help i'm sure we'll get there absolutely all right till next time it's a wrap Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com.
And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.